0: takes over, Smith comes out to the neutral zone, deals right, so fires, he scores!
1: Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com.
0: Smith to so 4-2 Golden Knights.
2: This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National
0: Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace Millard, Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... So how are we all feeling now, now that we're
1: back home, ready to start this best of three Stanley Cup semifinal series? Uh, let's throw open the phone lines right away and get an idea of where the vibe is at for the Vegas Golden tonight. So with those 10 wins now in the bank, two wins shy of a Stanley Cup final appearance and six wins away from a Stanley Cup title. 702-876-1340. Curious where everybody's head and hearts are at right now, Ryan.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of to check in with the fan base and get a gauge on where you're at with this series. Tied 2-2, both teams getting a split on the others' home ice and now setting up a best of three and and one in which I think maybe we're surprised through four games that it's a, a 2-2 series, but at the same time, I think that result is just because both teams at times have done enough to win two games. Uh,
1: I'm a little surprised that it's 2-2. Two, two. Coming into it, you've got the team with 40 wins on, on the year against a four seed. And just trying to look at it uh, from the outside, because we didn't have anything to base things on, uh, it looked mm-hmm. like uh, Vegas would be a 3-1 to one favorite. Uh, through the first four games and and that kind of uh, setup going through to it. And uh, I'm I'm impressed by what Montreal has been able to do uh, so far in this set.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the game last night for the Canadians and it's incredibly impressive, their ability to smother the Golden Knights, to really not give Vegas anything through the middle of the ice, and yet... The Golden Knights come out of that game with a win, in large part due to the heroics of Robin Leonard.
1: 702-876-1340. A couple of lines are open. We'll get to the phones in just a second. Robin Leonard is the story from Montreal, uh, and he kind of quells the noise around what happened in Game 3 with Marc-Andre Fleury. Surprised or not that the Golden Knights decided to switch up the net mining Uh, after game three
0: not surprised I I think you could kind of feel a change coming and you know I I wouldn't have necessarily been shocked if Marc-Andre Fleury went for Vegas in game four but if they didn't look particularly comfortable maybe at that point you make the change but you know in terms of Pete DeBoer in terms of handling goalies and really to a greater extent when it comes to Pete DeBoer and managing his lineup, he has made the right decision quite nearly every single time this postseason. At this point, I'm done questioning whether or not he's making the right decision because it's, it's easy to see. He's got his, his finger, he's, he's got his thumb on the pulse of this team, and he really knows what he's doing in terms of making those changes.
1: It's easy if you're the guy that switches up the goaltending all the time. It's easy yeah. if you're the guy that sticks with the goalie all the time. Pete DeBoer is a goalie whisperer because he does both all the time. <laughs> if you can do both all the time. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Todd, welcome to the VGK Insider Show. You're leading off today. Hey,
3: how you guys doing today? Good. Good. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm i glad they got the win last night. You know, they should have got the win Friday. Seemed like Montreal outplayed them a little bit last night, but but we got lucky and got the win. I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, Ryan touched on the pregame show yesterday about the need to get better on the power play
1: and still the lack of forward depth scoring. So where's so your I, where's your so head in your heart right now?
3: Oh, I'm I'm all the way with the Knights. You know, hopefully they win the next two and it's over. That's what I want to happen.
1: Yeah, best of 3, the power play can now have a bigger impact. It uh, hasn't been impactful and influential through the first four games. Todd, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Uh Todd's not wavering. He's uh, not uh, uh wobbling off that bandwagon. It's ready to go, ready to rock. Uh, let's go to Rita. Welcome to the BGK Insider Show. How's your weekend, Rita?
4: Well, it's good. Thank you. And I'm I'm feeling real good about the thing I'm um, Ryan was saying on strip hockey, whoever we'll wins tonight will win the next one. I believe it's right. I hate that we're going to have to wrap up the series in Montreal, but, hell, we do what we got to do. Uh, but getting back to, I'm sure Ryan knows where this is going. That <laughs> rotten guy that called last night brought a frickin' knife to a gunfight. If you don't know the stats and realize... Gleimert has a fourteen and three or four record. You can't come on there and just think. If I go out there, he's a rotten goaltender. Everybody's going to go. Yeah, that's right. We screwed up. We put a good goaltender in there, and just I. I was. I, it's been a while, so I've calmed down since last night. But the guy was an idiot.
1: We had we had a live one last night, Ryan.
0: Uh, yeah, we. We had a caller that, uh, while at the same time saying he was happy that the Golden Knights were able to win, said that, uh, you know, it should absolutely be Marc-Andre Fleury that goes in game number five. It was nice that Robin Leonard was able to get a win. But this season wasn't a a good season for Robin Leonard, and he got a lot of losses this year for the Golden Knights.
1: Well, uh, I'm glad Rita put that one to bed. Uh, And uh, we don't have to say any more on it because uh, Rita summed it up. Perfectly. Uh, Rita's uh, there. Rita's ready to go. Uh, any any insinuation that it's not Robin Leonard tomorrow night I think is false. Uh, back to the phone line. Stephanie, welcome to the VGK Insider Show on this Monday.
4: Hi, how are you guys doing? We are great. So I am feeling more confident, and the more I think about it, I know um, that we've had a lack of scoring from our top six, But there's only been one game this entire series that wasn't decided by one goal, and we won that. So while, yes, we have a lack of scoring going on, it's not like Montreal is, you know, firing on all cylinders and getting tons and tons of goals and putting those up on us either.
1: You okay with Robin Leonard going back-to-back games four and five?
4: You know, I actually think that if there was ever a time to go back to doing the rotation right now would be the Mm. perfect time. But I'm like I'm not gonna be mad if Leonard plays tomorrow. I'm not gonna be mad if Flurry plays tomorrow. I think we have two great goalies, and I trust Pete DeBoer because Pete DeBoer has sorry has a lot more coaching experience than I do.
1: Uh, more than a lot of us, and <laughs> has made the right decisions. Uh, that That's a great point. Uh, thanks, Stephanie, and uh look forward to chatting with you again tomorrow uh, as we go into game five of this best-of-seven Stanley Cup semifinal series, which is tied up at two. A goalie rotation, going back to the rotation and picking it up right now, that's an area that never crossed my mind, Ryan.
0: Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, uh, simply because, you know, the confidence level in both of these guys uh, is sky high. This is an organization, it's a coaching staff that believes in both Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, and both goaltenders have really given no reason to, to not have that full confidence. So, if it's something that you're entertaining, it just in a way to kind of get Marc-Andre Fleury back into the rotation that he was in during the regular season, where he was a completely lights out down the stretch, and to work in Robin Leonard, who certainly, uh, with last night's win and the way that he played, earned himself some more ice time... Um, I don't know that it's off the table. We'll have to wait and see, but I think everything's on the table right now for Pete DeBoer.
1: 702-876-1340. Great reaction to the phone lines on this Monday. Four games into the Stanley Cup semifinal series with the set tied up at two against the Montreal Canadiens. Rob, welcome to the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
2: Hey, guys. How you doing? Great.
1: What do you got to you? Good. Hey, so um, I, my thought is about the,
2: um, the the top six and the forward struggling and on the power play. And, you know, two things we need at Stanley Cup. Hot goaltending, uh, which we certainly have, and then scoring on the power play. And I wondered what your thoughts were about um, why um, – oh, geez, I can't think of his name. We traded – got him at the deadline. Um, Janmark? Janmark, thank you. Why he's not – up on the first line, trying to get some speed back in and change things up and, you know, what your thoughts are and maybe doing that because I think the uh, the Tuck situation is it, he's better where he's at on that third line and, you know, they get a little bit more momentum going on those stable lines than moving things around.
1: Uh, I'll take it, and then I want Ryan to jump in here. The reason why they've made the decisions that they have in in, uh, the perspective that I come at is they wanted to try Tuck. Up front because he's got all the speed, uh, Rob, and uh, and he was able to generate or replicate uh, what Chandler Stevenson brings to the lineup. Now, if you're not going to play Tuck there, you're going to move him back to the third line. You need Yanmark uh, with him and and Nick Waugh because they've been going good lately. So uh, you you try to disrupt the rest of the lineup as little as possible, and that's why I think you've you've watched uh, Tuck slide up and then come back and Nosik. Be the player that uh, that moved up to the top line to cause as little disruption as possible while still trying to get Pachetty and Stone uh, on the uh, the right path. Ryan?
0: Yeah, for me, I I think Matthias Yanmark makes a lot of sense up on the top line, but when you kind of peel back the layers a little bit, then it, it kind of takes away the depth that you would have with your third line. And yeah. for me, when you look at where the goals are coming from in this series, it's Tuck to Yan Mark for one and then you've got two from Nick Wa and then everything else is from the defenseman. So I I just think that it's more balanced if you can keep Yan Mark Wah and Tuck together. And that's why I'm not I'm not necessarily upset with Tomasz Nosick up on the top line with uh, Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. I do think you need more out of Stone and Pacioretty just in terms of production. I mean, you need more from your forwards in general. But I do think a more balanced approach against this Montreal Canadiens team is the right way to go as opposed to trying to load everything up on your top two lines.
1: And Rob, just so you know, uh, after the first period of Game 1, I was the one that was sitting there going to a friend of mine. They're going to put Jan Mark on the first line, and uh, that person, who's uh, deeply involved in the in the sport, uh, came back to me and uh, ex- told to me exactly what I passed on to you why you would uh, stay true to Yanmark uh, on that line instead of uh, moving him up to the first line. So uh, just, uh, just so you're aware, uh, that's why Kolasar went up uh, in, in game number one uh, to, to start things off. Seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty. 876 1340 Who do we have now? Frank. Frank, welcome to the BGK Insider Show.
3: Hey, fantastic. Happy to be here. Um, you know, Rob uh, really made a good point, and I'm, I was actually sitting there thinking... Uh, the same thing with Janmark, and then, then you chimed in and said the same thing. I mean, give them a try, see what happens. But I understand about um, giving the lines a level with everybody. I just want to say this real quick that um, I'm going to beat myself on the chest real fast. I'm the caller that called in, and I don't know if there was too many people listening, but I said that I guaranteed that the the Knights would win Game Seven uh, with Minnesota. So I'm happy that I'm here to talk to you to say that that I did say that. Um, But, you know, that was luck. But um, I really felt good about that. Anyway, my thoughts about um, the Knights are simply this. You know, we really played really hard when Game 7 with Minnesota. And then, you know, we wanted to beat, supposedly, the number one team in the league. It was a tough six games, but we beat them. What I'm seeing right now, I'm not seeing Stone being Stone, and I don't want to beat him down. And I know these guys are tired. I know what they're doing, but I do see a little bit of that from the from the knights, from the whole forwards, from every from to Stone to everybody. Uh, maybe not with the exception of uh, of Yanmark, uh, but you know, Tuck is not you know making his little dipsy moves either. Um, I'm just wondering if they're just a little tired and maybe trying to stay with kind of a rested Montreal team but those forwards are fast. You can't take them away from them. All those guys are doing really well so I think they're just a little bit tired. Hopefully we can get these two games done with with the rest of the week here so we could get some sort of rest but um, I'm going to go and uh want to see what you guys think about how you feel about if you see them being a little bit tired at all but um, I'm just going to be pushing with them and hopefully they can get it done. Take care.
1: Thank you. I uh, appreciate the call. Uh, I can say this. I'm not uh, totally sure how tired they are. Ryan, they're not fresh at this point in the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> that I, I can uh, put all the money in, into the middle of the table.
0: Yeah, they're, they're certainly not fresh. I think that once you get to this level uh, or, or this round of the playoffs, you have to make the assumption that pretty much everybody in that locker room is playing through something. There's some type of, of ache or pain or something that you're playing with. You don't go through nearly three full rounds as as it well, as it is for the Golden Knights. We're going to go six in this one uh, without some bumps and bruises and just trying to manage that. But from, from the Golden Knights perspective, I, I think where Montreal is really kind of where they were really good in game four is that they were disrupting a lot of what the Golden Knights were trying to do in terms of breaking pucks out of their own zone. They did it with an aggressive forecheck, and the Golden Knights were just a little off, just in terms of their execution on that first pass or first read. And when you're off by just a little bit, what ends up happening is that forecheck's able to get to you, it's able to turn over pucks, and then all of a sudden you're spending time defending in your own zone.
1: I will say I'm impressed right now. I didn't anticipate uh, the caller's uh, thread going in this direction. I thought it would slide more towards the goaltending, but we've got a line open, uh, so give us a call. 702 Thirteen forty, Stephen from Australia, welcome to the program. Morning, gentlemen.
5: Uh, It is time to slide it back towards the goaltending because I've been seeing a lot of Candace Lander, and I do not like it. There's a reason that the team went out and got Leonard. There's a reason that he was given the chances last year in the playoffs. There's a reason that he's been given time all this season when he's been fit and healthy. There's a reason that he, if my memory serves me correctly, is a former Vesna finalist, or at the very least a candidate for the Vesna. Uh, Leonard's a fantastic goalie. Look, was I a little bit surprised by the decision? Absolutely. Do I believe, Pete, when he says that um, Flurry's mistake was, was not part of the reason that Leonard was selected? No, I don't, but I'm also rather cynical. I, I I trust Peter Ball. I think that Peter Ball knows exactly what he's doing. There's a reason that the front office went out and hired him to replace Gallant, but Do I agree with everything that the front office does as well? No, I don't. But I trust them on this. I think that in terms of the overall series, I believe that Vegas needs to end it in six. Like, best case scenario, Vegas ended in six. They come back, they had a few days off. Islanders, uh, Lightning go seven, so they've got to play an extra day and then travel cross-country to T-Mobile to start the series. So, like, that's best-case scenario. Obviously, you take a game seven if it means you get to the final. Um You know, uh, come on, Vegas. Let's get behind both goalies and the coach and win the Stanley Cup. Vegas, le gardien El torna la Coupe Stanley!
1: Well done. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, Stephen, calling from down under. I I was surprised at the amount of action uh, on social media before the game when Robin Leonard was speculated and then confirmed uh, that he was going to be the starting goaltender.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You don't spend a lot of time on social media.
1: I just... It seemed like a logical it, sense when you've got two goaltenders, and it's, it didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, the organization has been very public uh, that they intended on using two goaltenders uh, throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs, and coming off a series in which you're trailing two games to one, it, to me, was a logical time. And But social media does uh, sometimes uh, get the better of me. Mike, welcome to the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. They had to Ryan.
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When Steve says good morning, gentlemen, he means it. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's really true. So the other part of it is I, at the risk of becoming Barstool Radio, I, too, was PO'd by that call last night about Leonard having a terrible season. Good heavens. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're going to call a sports talk show, at least have a clue. And he And he didn't. And let me just say, Ryan, you handled it like a real pro. And you didn't get you didn't jump through the microphone like you could have, and I appreciated that. The other thing is when Pete DeBoer said, "No matter what Flower did in that game, his mind was set on starting Leonard in the the next game," and that would be true because if you win, you're up two to one, you've got a game to spare, and you've won back home ice. And if you lose, like you lost, it just looks bad. But you're going to give Flower a rest, so. There wasn't any loss there. There wasn't any having to explain yourself, not that Pete DeBoer ever has to. He's an amazing coach, and the Jack Adams Award is lesser for him not being
1: a finalist. Uh, Mike, would it have been a bigger gamble had the Golden Knights been up two games to one to change the goaltending than down 2-1, or how would you have looked at it?
4: I would have said that you had to make the change because Flower made two glaring errors in two consecutive games, and he's just flat-out beat up and tired. And so, Leonard, again, like Stephen pointed out, was acquired for a reason. Mm -hmm. So you've got to put him in net. That's it.
1: Uh, Agree. And now we'll see where they go, whether it will be a rotation, which Stephanie alluded to, or whether Robin Leonard goes in Game 5, which I expect them to do, or somewhere in between. Michael, you're on... The VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
5: Hey guys, so I want your opinion on this one. I was watching the game yesterday, and the announcers were like, "Oh, um, are they going to criticize Pete DeBoer or uh, question his thought about starting Leonard?" Mark Andre Florey has played fifteen, or yeah, fifteen out of the last sixteen games. He is tired. Even if we lost that game, it was still a good decision to go with Leonard because Marc-Andre Fleury needs some time to rest. Like He's been in league for quite a while. So I just want you guys to out on that one.
0: Ryan? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I think that going into this season, making the decision to go with both Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, what we have heard all year long is that at every single position to win in today's NHL especially this season and it doesn't end you don't stop using your depth just because you've gotten to the playoffs for the, for the Golden Knights, for Pete DeBoer, this was an opportunity where I think Pete looked at the rate of play from Marc-Andre Fleury, and given what you were talking about, Marc-Andre starting every single game in the playoffs except for Game 1 of Round 2 against Colorado, and then we saw how well Marc-Andre responded with a little bit of rest, I think this was a great spot to get Robin Leonard into a game. What Robin Leonard did last night was fantastic. It was a pristine start, and one in which he really did steal a game. Period. Point blank. Robin Leonard did exactly what you hoped he would do, and now it's setting up to say, well, we've got both guys. Both guys are going incredibly well. There's a number of different ways that we can take this, but whatever we do in terms of, of who's in net next... If it's Robin Leonard, that means more rest for Marc-Andre Fleury. If it's Marc-Andre Fleury, you hope that the game off has certainly got him a little bit more rested and ready to go, but you have confidence in both guys. Do you think uh,
1: a lot of people cheer for the player over the team in this situation?
0: Yes. Well, well okay, let me, let me kind of add some nuance to that. Based on what I saw leading up to the game yesterday, and honestly, based on what I've seen all season long, on, on Twitter, Twitter, various social media apps, in, in terms of who was or wasn't in goal in particular nights, yes, there is a, a faction of people that root for the player before they root for the team.
1: Do you follow auto racing at all? Because I'm going to use this analogy, and uh, I don't know how much I, I should go into detail on it, uh, Formula One in particular. And I'm not the biggest racing guy. Trust me on this. But it's the best analogy that I can come up with. So you've got teams in Formula One. Uh, do, you, do you follow it, Ryan?
0: Not even a little bit. Okay.
1: So you've got teams. There's like 12 <laughs> teams, I think, or I don't know, somewhere around there. And each team has two drivers, two, two players. Uh, but a lot of there's a lot of fans out there that are polarized. Uh, they may cheer for uh, Team A. But they really cheer for Team A with Driver 1 instead of Team A with Drivers Two 1 and 2. So they'll get mad uh, if Driver 2 gets preferential treatment or something along that line. And they, they actually end up rooting against their own team. And that, I, I got a sense of that yesterday uh, when this decision came out, that, that people were putting the player ahead of the team. And my first thought was, Ryan, If Marc-Andre and Robin can figure this out, surely (laughs) the fans can figure this out and get on the same page. Because the two athletes who desperately want to play every Mm -hmm. game, they've come on together and got their heads around this thing. Now it's time for everybody else.
0: Well, I mean, they've got a common goal, right? They they want to win. But shouldn't the
1: fan too? to
0: i that's where i'm coming from like I, I i approach this a little bit differently and and i kind of remember back to when i was um a diehard fan of a sports team and that's that's gone away quite a bit since since i've been in the industry but like i don't care how it gets done i don't care who gets it done as long as it gets done right like Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, they are both pulling on the same rope. And, and, and every single man in that locker room is pulling on the same rope with the same common goal of winning a Stanley Cup. And if you, if you identify yourself as a Vegas Golden Knights fan, and that is first and foremost, it shouldn't matter to you if it's Robin Leonard, if it's Marc-Andre Fleury, if it's Logan Thompson, if it's Darren Millard in net. As long as the job gets done that satisfies your fandom, or at least it should.
1: Let's finish things off. Uh, Final call of the day. Rick, you're on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Mm.
2: Hey, guys. You know, a lot of this goalie talk, it it just gets kind of old because there's really more serious things to worry about. We're so thin at center, and it's apparent with Stevenson's injury, just a huge loss. And I think it's come back to haunt us how thin we are at center. I think Cody Glass's lack of development really has has shown how thin we are and we got problems there that we can't really replace a player like Stevenson, who's one of the few guys who can move it through the neutral zone with speed. And that's a much bigger problem than we don't have a problem. I I, at, I I guarantee upstairs they're not worried about our goaltending situation. <laughs> they're worrying about our inability to move the puck through the neutral zone after having winner.
1: Let me uh, fire this one back to you. Um, would you put Cody Glass in, or would you could, uh, consider putting Cody Glass in just to I play on the power play? I think,
2: I think they would if they saw – if they, they know where he is in his game. And right. I just don't think he has developed the way they thought he would. And, you know, they rolled that. That's the decision they made when they let Suzuki go. Krebs, it just isn't ready yet. I mean, he's going to be, he looks like a dynamic player. But, you know, when you get through Carlson and Waugh, there, there's no other centers, really. I mean, there's, no chick is serviceable. But we're really thin at such a crucial position in the playoffs where it comes down to faceoffs. So when we're losing every faceoff, because Stevenson was getting pretty good at faceoffs, and and we're just chasing the puck half the game. Well, and it really just changes the whole dynamic of these games because the Canadians are a very good faceoff team, and they got a lot of fast forwards, and it's just, you know the fact we're two and two just shows that, you know, we grind these wins out, but when, when it comes to facing the a dynamic team like Tampa Bay or even a gritty team like the Islanders, we have got to be able to move the puck through the neutral zone and ha- tilt the ice a little like we did against Colorado. But Chandler
1: you're right. Uh, Chandler Stevenson was available there. It sounded like your phone just cut out there, so I'll jump in. Uh, uh, Chandler, you lost two centers at the same time. He, Stevenson and then Nosik. Uh, nosic is back, and now we'll see where uh, Chandler Stevenson uh, is as far as returning to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, There's some news on that from Pete DeBoer and his media availability this morning. And, Ryan, I've got a take on Chandler Stevenson that you may be slightly surprised at. It doesn't come at it from the traditional angle. And I'll pass that along to you. Thanks to all the callers, uh, and we'll continue with the Chandler Stevenson conversation next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Goes behind the goal, waggles out and shoots. Knocked down in front. Wah stopped! Another try! He scores! Nicholas Wa in overtime. He waited and lifted it over the fallen carry Price. Nick Wa wins it for Vegas at OT, two to one. The Knights win it and they tie the series two and two. Oh, that was uh, that was unbelievable. Uh, I got my family uh, in here. I know they they were really happy, and uh, I know we we wanted to. They went pretty bad there, so uh, we battled back in, in the third, and uh, we're ready for overtime. So it's uh, it's a nice feeling for sure. Always dream about the scoring at the Bell Center, doing it in overtime, and uh, in the series there, in semifinals, it's it's uh, even better. So um, it's really nice. Uh, like I said, to get the win for the boys, and we, we battled back. So uh yeah, it's a big win. Win for the boys. Nick Wa coming up large. In extra time, both games go to overtime in Montreal. Series tied at two, coming back to Vegas T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night. Five o'clock start over at the Fortress. And the winner will take a 3-2 series lead. And they've gone back and forth during this set. Darren Lard, Brian Wallace here. On Fox Sports Las Vegas, VGK Insider Show, joined by Chris Chapman. We've got some sound to bring you later on in the program uh, from uh, the Vegas Golden tonights before they departed Montreal and uh, making that uh, four-hour flight back across the continent. Uh, but uh, not the not the uh, the first time that a that a guy named Waugh has come up big in Montreal in overtime. Ryan, <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Always got to rub in '93 for me. Thank you. Um, no, listen. I I I think it's a great moment for Nick Wah, and it's 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 obviously Game Four. Like that's the one he's going to remember. But uh, we can't forget that he had a, a goal in, in Game Number Three as well. So two goals and two games up in Montreal for Nick Wah. And there's something about the player Nick Wah specifically, where you know, in the context of a game, in the context of big moments he's able to kind of find a way to to elevate his game, and he comes up with an absolutely brilliant play. He gets three touches, and it's the final one that he settles, he's poised, and he does what he needs to do to lift it over Carey Price. That's just nerves of steel from Nick Waugh in a huge moment.
1: Uh, I don't know whether there's a pulse there, to be honest. You have got uh, Jesperi Kakinami uh, diving across, Carey Price uh, reaching up, and I, I can't describe how easy it would have been to throw that puck into the, to the netting, but the netting above the yeah. glass, not in the netting surrounding the goal. And and just uh, giving it a little bit extra oomph, uh, trying to to make sure that that puck went went in, and and just missing the net entirely, or or hitting a crossbar or something. That was that was the mo- most impressive part to me was the patience of of Waugh in just a huge stage, a huge moment.
0: Oh, one hundred percent. And and again, like you know, he he tried the to kind of stuff that one in. He gets that rebound back and. You know, Carey Price is in full scramble mode, and for Nick Waugh, it's it's those types of moments that kind of define a career when you're all said and done. And for Nick Wah, he's got a game winner in the third round of the playoffs in Montreal, right? Like, you can never take that moment away from him, and it's all because he had the poise to make the right play that he needed to make at that stage of the game.
1: You know, we've all watched teams, basketball, baseball, pick your sport, where there's a point during the game, if that team is behind, you just turn out the lights, hang up the coat, and go upstairs to bed. We've had callers that have done that this year, and we always say, don't do it, because this team is never out of the game. And even though, and to be honest, they had nothing going on for our large stretches of that game, zero uh, going on offensively. There was still a, a big part of me that thought they're in this game. And and that's not always the case uh, with teams. I didn't have Brayden McNabb pinch again and getting the puck to go 18 <laughs> hole and carry price and, and not hit. I, I don't know whether that puck hit the back of the net. Really. It, it, it no, went through no, carry it price flop down. You know how hard it is to score in the National (laughs) Hockey League without the puck hitting the back of the net? And it doesn't happen very often. They got a break. Now, McNabb forced his way into the play and and got Mm -hmm. that puck to go. But they found a way to stay close, Robin Leonard, and then capitalize on an opportunity, which was the overtime. McNabb gave them an opportunity to win the game, and they came through.
0: Yeah, and and as much as we're going to highlight Braden McNabb, and we should, because obviously it's the first goal of the playoffs for Braden McNabb, it's a a huge moment where you get a player that's not necessarily known for his ability to pinch in or, or chip in offensively to to come up with that goal it's huge but a lot of really good work down low by William Carlson to get that goal especially when we're talking about the lack of production from the top six we should highlight that William Carlson was incredibly instrumental in that goal uh coming on the board for the Golden Knights but you know you 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 mentioned it Darren the Golden Knights stuck around they hung around in this game in large part because robin leonard shut the door on nearly everything in this one i, I think if you know it's a two nothing lead or a three nothing lead in the latter stages of the third period maybe that game feels different but the fact that it was just one shot that the golden knights needed that was encouraging
1: you've got a sample size between the montreal canadians and the vegas golden knights over four games Mm-hmm. Who's been the better team? Has there been a better team?
0: Um man, that's a tough one. Uh I don't know that in terms of of in terms of advanced stats, in terms of controlling play. I think the Golden Knights have had more stretches in this series where they've been able to control play more so than the Montreal Canadiens. I thought game three the Golden Knights played incredibly well outside of the power play and outside of not getting a couple of breaks to go their way. But overall, I thought game three was a really solid game from the Golden Knights. Then you look at game one and two, the Golden Knights were better in the second and third period than the Montreal Canadiens, but they were outplayed in the first two periods, uh, or in the first period of both of those games. Um. Game four, I thought Montreal was absolutely fantastic and the Golden Knights steal one. So to me, I think for stretches, the Golden Knights have been better longer. The Montreal Canadiens have been far more opportunistic, and that is why this series is knotted up at two.
1: Counterpunchers. That's what that's what they yeah. are. They're great counterpunchers. Yeah. Based on your math, and I'm not including the overtimes because they ended uh, relatively quick, 7-5 uh, in in control of periods. Uh, in favor of the Vegas Golden Knights so far in this set. That's too close to call. That that's yeah. that's an, that's an even series. That tells you that this series is basically where it should be. Now the Chandler Stevenson conversation.
0: Yeah, there's
1: a, an inkling from Pete DeBoer, and do we have that clip, Chris? No. no? Okay. So uh, we we heard from Pete DeBoer today talking about Chandler Stevenson, and hinted that there may be a return. I don't know when, whether that that's game five, whether that's later on in the series or in time for the Stanley Cup final. But it's optimistic to hear Pete speak in those uh, words. His exact
5: words were on the horizon. On the horizon. Yeah.
1: So it's optimistic to hear that compared to uh, not going down the path of discussing Chandler Stevenson other than that uh, he was game time decision or wasn't going to play. Here's the thing about Chandler Stevenson. One of the biggest criticisms from the outside world of the Vegas Golden Knights is they don't have a true number one center. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's fair? From from I mean, that's
0: yeah, 100%.
1: Chandler Stevenson I think his value, his res- the respect factor, the appreciation for what he does. I think he has increased all of that by being out of the lineup as opposed to what he was doing in the lineup. And that's different. That's that's not to say that he wasn't playing well. It, it's actually the opposite. He was playing so good. But people get their heads around uh, a narrative and they say, um picked up fifth round pick washington uh not not that prototypical big center star stud everything uh they've got a hole there well he comes out of the lineup ryan and people go oh he means a lot to patch and stone he he really in a lot of ways makes that number one line go, which allows your power play to go a little bit better, which allows your second and third lines to go because of matchups, he's really important. So Chandler Stevenson and his value has increased in the three games he's been out exponentially.
0: Well, we saw it earlier this year, too, when when Chandler Stevenson was out of the lineup serving a suspension and the top line patch and stone just did not seem as in sync as they were earlier on in the year. And what I what I think is so interesting about this, because I I don't know that it's necessarily something that we deal with here as as a fan base or, or covering this team locally but it is certainly a narrative that we hear that the golden knights don't have a true number one center they don't have the center depth to to be really in the final four challenging for a stanley cup uh, but what what i find interesting is is when did we start giving up on or understanding that this is what a player is and they're never ever going to be anything other than what they are at like age 25 right uh, like there's yeah. all There's always room for improvement. There's always room for changing scenery, and we saw it with William Carlson here year one with the Golden Knights. Goes on an absolutely incredible run because he was given an opportunity to play further up the lineup. Chandler Stevenson, given the opportunity to play further up the lineup here in Vegas, has chemistry with Pacioretty and Stone, and is Chandler Stevenson Jack Eichel? No, he's not, but he is exactly the type of center that Pacioretty and Stone need in order to take their game to the next level, and that is why it's worked. By the
1: way, to further expand on what you were saying, Ryan, in those three games that Chandler Stevenson was suspended, they lost twice to Minnesota, Pacharetti Stone, no points in either of those games. Then they defeated St. Louis six to one. Pacharetti and Stone, they each had an assist, and it came on an Alec Martinez goal. So I think that kind of exemplifies what you were saying. And about- Stone talked about that being a little bit of a blip in a season at the time, and 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 struggling during that point. Uh, and I'm not criticizing the national media because we we kind of went through the same process uh, ourselves. Stone sure. Stone, Patchetti, Stevenson? Stevenson's gonna start there? Okay. Well <laughs> well he played up there a little bit last year and there was some time, but Carlson played in the bubble. But Stevenson's gonna start there? Okay, well, all right. And then and then it took off. So we're everybody else is just catching up to what we've already gone through. And and sure. and we'll see how much it, it carries over. But yeah, there's there's a real appreciation for what Chandler Stevenson has meant to Patcharetti and Stone and Chapman used the great word chemistry. A chemistry between between players sometimes can can um, supersede talent or uh, ability in a lot of ways, and that's what those those three players have. That
0: yeah, it, it's it's complementary players. It's it's utilizing different skill sets in order to build a line that you think can can really play and and dominate possession and. You know, it's not, as you've brought up many times this year, Darren, I don't think it's a coincidence that Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone are, are having the, the best seasons of their careers, and Chandler Stevenson is that common denominator. There is something about Chandler Stevenson's style of play, his speed, the skills that he brings, that opens things up for Pacioretty and Stone, and that is a line that just works.
1: You are going to hear from Jonathan Marcheseau, alex petrangelo and pete de boer when we continue in hour number two of the vgk insider show plus vegas and montreal not the only stanley cup semifinal series that's tied up at two it's the vgk insider show on fox sports las vegas harry gets the puck in front big step winner he jumped to his left he stopped stall the whistle stops play it's behind the net centered for carlson Knocked away, and Fedor missed the puck. It goes the other side. Here comes left wing Caulfield out in front. Let her the save. He went down with a stick, protecting the five-hole.
0: We don't care about the noise, so it's just great motivation for me. Uh,
1: it was very enjoyable on Twitter today, and uh, thank you guys very much for giving that up. Me need that motivation.
3: Thanks very much, Robin.
1: Thank you. By the way, that's uh, Dave Keon Jr., uh, son of the hockey Hall of Famer Dave Keon, who's the moderator of the uh, media availability. Normally, we in wouldn't Canada. have that. In. <laughs> no, we wouldn't uh, normally throw that in. But when you're the son of a uh, hockey Hall of Famer uh, like uh, Jr. is, and uh, and a buddy of mine, uh, thought I'd throw that in. But but I love it. Like, thank you very much, Robin. Like after after Robin gives it uh, to everybody who's uh, on social media. Oh, I was talking about me forgetting to cut that part out. That's all right. No, no. (laughs) I I, I actually thought you did that on purpose. And I can't bug you. I can't take any shots at you because you put Bob and Doug McKenzie in last week. So I have four more days after today of being nice to Chris Chapman. We'll see how that goes. Whether I can really bite my tongue or whether I have a tongue left uh, at all. Um, We've got uh, a great hour number two coming up. Uh, But before we uh, we tee it up, uh, listen... Like the the fortress is going to be f- just rocking, flying tomorrow night, Ryan. We we know that eight like eighteen thousand people going uh, crazy. Uh, they they've announced that they're going to allow fans at the Tokyo Olympics, and okay. a, li- a limited number. But there's uh, there's a couple of things like not to to full capacity, about fifty percent, maximum of ten thousand fans for for each venue, and mm-hmm. and the fans when they go in. Yep. They, they can't cheer.
0: Can't cheer. Well, they'll. Well, that's you know that's fine. Like today, they'll just like like all things in in modern life today, uh, they'll just yell and scream at each other on Twitter about it.
1: Probably, but can you imagine? Yeah, like, is it worth going if you can't cheer?
0: Um, I mean, I don't know. The Olympics are an experience, right? Like, I, I think that there's something to be said about being at an Olympic Games. But yeah. I, I i mean, I'm kind of in, in the same boat. As you're telling you, me like, the hundred meter, like you're not going to be able to, and you can't cheer. If I'm going to a sporting event, any sporting event, I don't care what it is. I want to be able to let loose and I want to be able to cheer. It wouldn't be worth it for me. Like, I'm telling you that right now. I wouldn't want to put in the travel. I wouldn't want to put in the time or the energy to go there and have to sit there, like, uh, like as a silent auction. But, um, hmm. you know, for some people that are, like, really into the Olympics, I'm sure that it is worth it, I guess. Well, I the, I, the
1: good I, news is it's they're only allowing local yeah. fans. So even though my wife and I had tickets for a couple of events, we are unable to... Well, she could actually go, but I can't. Uh, whitewater rafting, I could go and notch here. I could i could get away with that one, but uh, but not the 100-meter. <laughs> uh, when we come back, Pete DeBoer, Jonathan Marcheseau, and Alex Petrangelo all talking about where the Vegas Golden Knights are in this series against the Montreal Canadiens. Hour 2 of the VGK Insider Show on the way in Fox Sports Las Vegas.